Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shinneman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. I'd like to welcome Carrie Friday to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. So Carrie, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background in the school library. I moved from the classroom where I had taught um, language arts and intensive reading uh, into the library in the fall of 2016 when the previous media specialist at the school that I had just started working at uh, retired. Okay. The library program here was uh, very stagnant. Um, it There were 20,000 books in the collection, 14,000 of them were obsolete. Oh, wow. Um, the kids never came in. The one year I was here in the classroom, um, the kids never came in. The teachers never brought their classes. I scheduled my class to come in a few times and it was not a great experience. Um, and so it really was not part of the school. Uh, the literacy coach at the time, she was running like a bootleg library out of her office oh, wow. for the kids so that they could have current books to read. Oh, um, so really this space was just sort of a glorified computer lab. Okay. Um, my first year I cleaned out the collection um, and everybody kept telling me to take my time and I, you have plenty of time and you're not going to be able to do all this in one year, but I love a challenge. So <laughs> I weeded about 12,000 of the titles out the first year. Oh my God. Um, I wrote a ton, a ton of grants, about $10,000 worth of grants to start getting us some makerspace stuff. I didn't know what to do with it, but I knew they were things we were supposed to have in here. Yeah. Um, we painted um, I scrounged up all the soft seating in our whole school and relocated it to the library and called dibs on it and said, this is mine, you can have it. Um, and then I started working with some teachers that I was friends with to bring their classes in. And then I'd have them go tell everybody like how great it was and how much fun we had. And so that we could start building a program and getting people to come in. Mm -hmm. um, so I've, I've been in here in five for five years. And it has become the heart and the hub of our school. Um, and not just our school, but our community too. Every student, every teacher on this campus comes through here almost every day. Um, it connects to the front office. It connects to the patio. Um, it's the place where the kids can come and hang out. Their classes come here. So they're here a lot. Okay. Um, I try really hard to make sure that every student um, sees themselves displayed on the covers of the book. Um, books that are out and I try to work with every content area on campus including the elective teachers I have all kinds of events and collaborate with other schools not just here in the district but also across the state and across the other country too because I really want it to be a place of community that is not just tied to um, location. Okay now speaking of location a different location but you did mention earlier that you're from Florida and so tell us what level of school are you working in? Um, so I am working in a middle school and um, most of the schools in Florida, the middle schools are sixth grade through eighth grade, but our district is uh, fairly unique in that we only have seventh and eighth graders. Oh. So we have about 920-ish, give or take, um, students in our school for just two grade levels. So it's it's a pretty big middle school. We're the second largest middle school in our district. Okay. Um, so I work with middle school students. 
And are you on your own or do you have an, any paraprofessional help? I do have a part-time assistant. Um, she works from nine to two thirty um, each day, but that position has been cut. It actually got cut last summer, um, but they had enough money from when the school was closed so that they could keep them on this year. Okay. But then that position will not be available next year. So next year I will be on my own. Wow. Okay. All right. So you've learned a lot of lessons in about things that are, um, that have helped you be successful. And I know they're going to carry through um, to the future when you're on your own, but let's talk about those, those earliest years in the library. Um, okay. Story or two about um, your time when you were just starting out. So when I was thinking about this question, my immediate thought was to tell you that um, when I first started in the library during pre-planning um, of my first year, within four days, my dad passed away from cancer that we had only known that he had for four weeks. Um, and my husband lost his engineering job. So it was kind of a rough start to the year because I had a lot of stuff going on in my personal life and I was in this brand new position that I wasn't sure if I would be good at it or not. Um, but it gave me an opportunity to really kind of zoom in my focus on what was good and what was right for kids. Um, and it's been really interesting to see, you know, how things have, have grown and changed um, over the years. But then I realized um, I do have a great story. Um, I had been signed up for a book fair that I did not know I had signed up for. I had been signed up for <laughs> okay. um, because, you know, they scheduled those so far out in advance, but right. I didn't know that. And so I got a surprise email from um, a company telling me that my book fair would be arriving on this day and this day. And I needed to do this, this, and this. And I didn't know what that was. And I was very overwhelmed. Um, but I decided to roll with it. And so, you know, the book fairs always have themes and this one was a pirate theme. And I was okay. like, you know what, this is a great opportunity to do something really fun. And so I turned the circulation desk into a massive pirate ship and okay. um, our reading coach had found this like child mannequin that did not have a head and we dressed her as the headless pirate baby and she was the captain of the ship and I wore costumes and we set up all these stations and I even had our woodshop teacher build me a plank that kids could walk on and I put like plastic tablecloths under it so that it was like water and they could you know don't fall in and you know it was the whole thing and the kids loved it they <laughs> thought it was the greatest thing ever I only spoke in pirate speak for two weeks <laughs> costume every day I had all these things that like they could make and take it with them and so um it really it was pretty early in the school year it was early October and that one thing set the tone for everything else forever because all of a sudden the library was fun, was fun all yeah. of a sudden it was the cool place to be and all of a sudden I was the crazy lady with the costumes and and so it really like it changed everything wow and it's just a book fair you know like yeah. it's just a book fair but it was awesome but it fits in with what you were just saying you know focusing in on the students you know make making them you know the the target of what you're going to be doing. So that's awesome. Very good. All right. 
Okay, so Carrie, um, you you had some a funny story from from back then with your when you were just starting out. But let's think back to things that you wish you would have known. Is there any kind of advice that you wish somebody had told you years ago? My first year as a media specialist, I wish I had known that I had permission to be awesome as a first year media specialist. Oh, okay. I really was so afraid that what I was doing wasn't right or that it wasn't good enough or um, that if I shared what I was doing with other people that they'd be like, who is this lady? Who does she think she is? Um, and in Florida, you can either test into um, being a media specialist or you can get the master's for it. Okay. And I tested into it. And um, a lot of people that I met, the first thing they would ask me is if I had the master's. So that sort of made, not that there's not value in that degree, but it made me feel like no matter what I did, it wouldn't be good enough because I didn't have the degree. And so I kind of had a complex where I was doing like all this really cool stuff with these kids, but I was scared to tell anybody about it because I just didn't think that it would measure up or maybe it was not as good as what they were doing. Yeah. Or maybe my ideas weren't that great, but it turns out I was uh, limiting myself and um, it was very unnecessary because it's so critical that people know what's happening in your library space because otherwise the library will go away. Yeah. Um, and so it's really important to make sure that people know all the awesome things that are happening all the time. Um, so I wish I had known that a little sooner and been a little sure on my feet. Mm -hmm. um, and when I meet new media specialists, that's always the first thing I tell them is it's okay to be really freaking good at this or decide like, this was a great lesson or this was a great activity and be proud of that. You don't, you don't have to be scared mm -hmm. that it's not good enough because I guarantee you it, it is. Yeah. Very good. Good, good advice. Um, so right now in Florida, what's the library situation like? Are y'all face-to-face or remote or what's going on? We have been face-to-face -face since August oh, wow. um, with an online option. So all of our classes, um, the kids all have a schedule that they follow and then they're either in person or they log in through Zoom and they do it virtually. So the teachers are teaching both sets of kids at the exact same time, which is terribly hard. Um, and it would be really easy if everybody was one-to-one -one and everything could all be uh, digital, but we are not one-to-one. -one. So since y'all are, y'all have all those options, describe a little bit about like what your library day is like. So we switched to block scheduling for this year to limit um, the number of students that um, are exposed to each other and that the number of students that teachers are exposed to. Um, so that was a big change. So we're doing a true block. So they have four classes every day for what would normally be a semester um, is now a whole school year. They got uh, new classes um, in January. So the way that my school did it is every student had either language arts or social studies. And if they had language arts, then and then they either had math or science, but they didn't have like math and science. So they had one reading class yeah, um, yeah. and then one sort of mathy type class. Um, so I schedule the classes to come in 
Um, and this year has been a little trickier because normally our kids are teamed. And so I schedule them by team and they come in, you know, with language arts one month and social studies the next month. And, and they're not like that this year. So that's been harder. Um, but I have, um, we've had some teachers leave. We've had some teachers out, you know, that were sick. And so I have picked up and covered, um, classes for a couple of weeks, several times. And so then I have to change my schedule and then come up with new things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have been able to have the library open since day one. Kids can oh. still come in classes can come in. I just limit the number of kids that can come in in the mornings. Um, they have to have a pass from the cafeteria to okay. come in at lunch. Um, they don't eat in here. Some of our schools, the, the media centers are used as lunch space. It is not that case here. Okay. Um, so I can still have my classes in here because um, they want me teaching yeah. as often as possible. And so they don't take my space from me. Um, I'm still allowed to do my makerspace stations. I just use things that are um, very easily cleaned. Mm-hmm. And um, I make half of my options digital options so that the kids um, online have plenty of options of things that they can do or they can use materials from home. And then that way it limits the number of kids at the tables. Okay. Um, because some of them are on the computers. Um, we're still checking out books. We just kind of quarantine them when they come in and, and then put them back out into circulation. And we've really upped our game with our eBooks and audiobooks this year. Great. Um, and so that has been really great. And then I send out tons and tons of resources to the staff members because they're not all in here for our faculty meetings. Those are online now. And so I build things and send them out since I have limited availability to schedule people. Um, this year. So I make a lot of things and share it with them. And I built a virtual library that is very elaborate because I can't do anything just simply. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could, but it's just not in me. And so I add to it regularly and I constantly send out updates and the kids have it and they use it. And the teachers put it in their Google classrooms as like, if you're finished, go here. Okay. Um, so that way kids have access to the library 24 hours a day, even if it's not in the room. So that's kind of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Very, very good. All right. So Carrie, you have seen um, the role of the librarian. I mean, we've kept doing, you know, a lot of the same things, but found new ways to do a twist with it, you know, during this COVID time. Um, but our, our impact or our influence that we have, you know, it, it's strong. So I would love for you to talk about the kind of influence that you see librarians having where you are. Well, it's really interesting because the situation that I was in, there was, you know, the library was sort of kind of a dirty word. Um, And then all of a sudden it became the place that everybody wanted to be. And what's really interesting is I work in a um, low income school area um, and we have a group of students who are very affluent and live in these gated neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And then the large majority of the rest of the school, that's not the case. And here on the Space Coast, we have tons and tons of engineering firms. And a lot of our students don't see themselves as engineering. Their parents are not engineers. They don't know that that's a possibility for them. Yeah. And not that that's the only job, but like there are a lot of of skills that these kids don't realize that they could do. 
And so it's been really great to expose them to like circuitry and coding and all these things. I'm like, look, you're engineering. Did you know you could do that? Um, And just to see the transformation from like this really old crusty book collection to the kids walking in and, you know, they see the crossover on the shelf or they see, you know, the poet X and they are like, oh, that person looks like me or, you know, they see books in their native language or a student with a, you know, the book has a kid with a wheelchair on the front or whatever it is, they're finding themselves in the books and this is, this is their space with people that look like them. And um, so that's been really, really cool. And we've had a lot of great opportunities to bring some cool authors here. Um, and so like we had Kwame Alexander here and we stopped the whole school day and (laughs) the library and we live streamed it to the whole school so I literally shut down the school so everybody could watch and it was transformational for these kids like this guy that wrote this book that they think is so amazing and they've never liked a book in their lives but they like this one and now they're getting his new book on the day that it comes out and he's standing right in the room and they can take a picture with him and Like that is so incredible. It's such a powerful experience for these kids. So it becomes a thing where the community is involved because otherwise I can't pay for something like that. And so the community members are here and the mayor is here and the whole school is watching and the kids are talking about it at home. And now all of a sudden this is, is a huge part of the community. And when these business partners leave, when the mayor leaves, they go out and they say, I went to this cool thing at Southwest Middle School today. Did you know that the library was so cool? And so it becomes the heartbeat of the school and the kids see themselves as readers and they begin to see themselves as, you know, kids, you know, people who have circuitry skills or coding skills Mm -hmm. or whatever it is that, that they find their knack for, they can do that here. And it becomes, um, a big thing for district leaders, and it makes the space something that is critical instead of something that is a fun extra. Wow, that, that's awesome. Really, really good stories there. And so I know that this is something that you've grown into, you know, it wasn't instantly, you know, that kind of way for you. But talk a little bit about how you've seen your influence grow or change over time. Um. I've always been very driven. Um, and I, even in the classroom, I was always willing to try anything, um, to make the lesson engaging. Um, and so I feel like I was made for this job because that's all it is. It's all, you know, like trying new things and being willing to be the first one to test drive this new piece of technology or this new robot or, you know, a new book or whatever that is. And so um, I was really self-conscious my first year and a little bit into my second year that I was not as good as everybody else that I saw, mm-hmm. but I very quickly learned. We started a, um, a reading program, a school-wide reading program. Uh, our reading coach and I started it the first year of our um that I was in the library and we um, worked really closely with two teachers here who it was really um, one of their ideas. And so we started a school-wide reading challenge and we were just a hundred obnoxious about it and the biggest cheerleaders and really pushing it on everybody and, and don't take no for an answer. And you're going to read this book and you're going to love it and it's going to be great. 
And um, we had such tremendous success that we, we shared that um, at the end of the first year at a district presentation. And then all of a sudden we started sharing at other places and everybody was asking about it and it blew up to this huge thing. And then, so in my second year, I realized like, wow, we do have good things here that are great that people want to know about and they like my ideas and they do want to hear what is happening here. Um, so that's been really great. Um, I can give myself permission to try all the ridiculous things and it'll either blow up in my face or it'll be awesome. Um, and I tell my principal that I run in every single day. I'm like, guess what we're doing in the library today? Um, it's either going to be really terrible or it's going to be really amazing, but you should come and watch. This is going to be great. Um, and he really loves that. Um, I'll tell him, I got these new things that I ordered them and I don't really know what they do, but we're going to learn it today. I'm going to make the kids figure it out and it's going to be great. So, uh, come and watch. And, um, if this is great, put that on my evaluation. If it's really terrible, pretend you were never here. Um, and, and he loves that the kids have the space to do things like that. Um, and somebody that is excited to let them try. Um, and I have, over the, the last five years, I've really had a lot of cool opportunities. I was teacher of the year for our school. And then um, a couple of years ago and was a district finalist. And that opened a lot of doors for me. I've been able to do a lot of um, webinars. I did one for School Library Journal, and um, I've done several for Follett and some um, blog posts. And I've been given the opportunities to kind of share some of the things that we're doing here, which has given me the space to kind of build my network. So now I have a lot of people that I'm connected with where I can see their great ideas. And when I figure something out, I can share that with them. And um, it's, it's really exciting because it gives me a chance to share my skills, but I learned just as much from the people that I connect with as they learn from me. And so that's been really, really cool um, to get to collaborate with people that are all over the world. And what's really awesome is that people email me and say, hey, I saw this poetry choice board that you made. Can you send that to me? And I'll say, yeah, sure, here it is. And then they'll email me back here are four other things that I did just in case you oh. might want these. And so that's really nice. cool. Yeah. We're all better together. Definitely. Most definitely. All right. Okay. So Carrie, you, you've talked a lot about your library, you know, being that hub of the school. Um, and you've talked a lot about um, how you work to help the kids see themselves in the books and in the makerspaces, you know, and things that you've set up. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the kind of thing. What else do you do? to really help everyone feel like they belong in the school, in the, in the library? Um, so one of the things that I have found is, uh, especially when I talk to people, they assume that um, the library is just for English classes or mm -hmm. for reading classes, or it's only you know for the activity wheel. And so the only time kids should be there is when they're scheduled to be there on their wheel. And that's not the case. It's really the place for everybody. And so I have really had to push myself to get out of my comfort zone because that's, that's the area where I have, you know, the most knowledge and expertise and um, bring in the science classes and bring in the math classes, which is really outside of my comfort zone. And I work with our chorus classes and um, art and all kinds of different people, because I want the kids to see that this is a space for everything, no matter what area it is that they're good at, because most of our students come here 
um, several grades below grade level in reading. They don't view themselves as readers. Okay. And if they don't see themselves as readers, then the library is not the place for them because they don't like books. But if they know that when they are in algebra class, they're gonna come in here and code robots to do functions, then all of a sudden, this is not such a scary place. If they know that in chorus class, they're gonna sing and then they're gonna come in here and we're gonna make green screen videos of their songs and they're gonna perform it and make a music video, yeah. then this is a fun place, it's not a scary place. And then once you get them in here, then you'd be like, oh, you know a book you would really love? I think you'd really love this one. Um, and so I've had to work really hard to find a way to get people, um, not just the kids, but the teachers mm -hmm. to really see that like, oh, she can help me too. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's scary when you don't know the content area, but I tell the teachers, I'm like, listen, I'll handle the tech stuff. And if they have content area questions, that's your job. And we're going to do this together. Yeah. So I think that helps a lot for them to see that I'm doing something that I'm not hundred percent sure if it's going to work, but we're going to do it together because then that makes them less scared to go back in their classrooms and try something. Yeah, for sure. All right. So a lot of my listening audience are early career librarians. So if, if they want to start thinking about um, some simple steps they could do, what, what would you recommend for them? Um, the most critical thing that I would suggest is go right now or as soon as you can get to a computer and look at your school and your community population. Pull up the data. Look at what is representative in your area and then go look at your collection. Are all the demographics represented? Um, you know, are all the people represented? And that's more than just race. That's religion. That's home circumstances. That's disabilities. That's languages that are spoken. It's cultural things. Um, and even if your school is predominantly one thing, it's incredibly valuable for your kids um, and the staff at your school to be exposed to people that are different than they are. Yes. Um, and so use your books displays, your book suggestions, your staff resources wisely. Um, you know, make sure that your kids are seeing themselves not just as tucked in the shelves, but displayed on the top shelf. Mm -hmm. that they are front and center, that you see them, that you value them. And so when I put together book displays, it looks like I just threw some books out on the shelf, but really there was an insane amount of thought that went behind to make sure, okay, this one's here and this one's here. And they, those were there last week. So let me switch those around um, to make sure that these kids know that I see them and especially their manga and their anime mm -hmm. and the stuff that that's the only thing they'll read you better put that junk right there in the front where they can see it so that they know draw that them in them and that's valuable to you and you think that that is worth their reading yeah. um and the other thing that i would suggest is just really like push your stuff outside of your comfort zone to try to get some of those other departments to come in and work with you um, even if you're in, you know, on an activity wheel, almost all of our elementary school media specialists, they're all on a wheel. And so they're locked in, but you can still collaborate with um, the math teacher or the music teacher. You can check out some of your makerspace supplies to them and help them build a lesson. Um, there are a lot of things that you can do 
where people will start to see the space as more than just the books. The books yeah. And the books are important, but it's not everything. Okay. Now you mentioned that activity wheel a couple of times. I, when I hear that, I'm thinking just like special rotations, but what, what does that mean? Because I, I haven't, I'm not familiar with that term. So what that means here is that the kids go, um, like while the teachers, the classroom teachers have their planning period, um, one day they're going to music class okay. and then the next day they're going to PE and then the next day they're going to art and then they go to library and then they go to, I don't know, whatever else. Um, I'm on a flexible schedule in middle school and um, our high schools are flexible schedules as well. So we make our own schedule except for when it's testing season and then the state test makes our schedule for right. us. Um, and we just hope that we get a few days here and there where we can unlock the door for 20 minutes and say, yeah. hurry, run before they shut us down again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, that I assume that's what that meant, but I just hadn't heard it called um, a wheel or an activity wheel. So that's that's good. That can that's what they call it here. So I assume that that's, yeah. And it might, um, at my daughter's school, they call it specials. Mm -hmm. Um, but the other schools around here, they call it the activity wheel. Yeah. Okay. Good wheel. Good, good wheel. <laughs> good word. <laughs> All right. So Carrie, um, you, you have shared a lot of, about networking. So t tell us a little bit about the kinds of things that you do to keep learning so that our listeners can have some ideas of things that they should consider looking for. Most school PD is sadly um, irrelevant for media specialists. Um, and usually we're the ones leading it and we're teaching people how to do other things that have nothing to do with our field, but we're the ones that can do it, so we do. Um, but conferences, those are my jam. That's where I learn and grow the most. Um, our state um, organization, it's called FAME, the Florida Association of Media and Education. We have a really amazing conference. Um, I've also gotten tons and tons of great ideas at AASL yeah. um, or FETC, which is a big technology conference. Um, the bonus for that one is that it's always in Florida. <laughs> um, so it's not as expensive to go to. Um, and so I, I really love conferences. And right now I've been trying to do some of the virtual conferences because those are really cheap or free. Um, and then I get a lot of ideas from Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, um, mostly Twitter. Um, I see what other really awesome people are doing. And usually it doesn't necessarily, it's not something that would work for my kids, but it gives me an idea right. of something that I could do, or I can ask them some questions about this resource or whatever. So that's really, really great. Yeah, that's good. All right, Carrie. So for our listeners who want to connect with you and learn from you, because obviously you're very um, active on social media, where will they find you online? Um, I am on Twitter. Um, my username is at Carrie Friday. And I try to post um, almost every lesson that I do. Um, I try to share screenshots or pictures of the kids without their faces in it. So I don't have to check their photo permissions and I'm not violating anybody's privacy. Um, so I try to share stuff fairly regularly on Twitter. Um, I'm also on Instagram. So I have a personal one that's at Carrie Friday. 
Um, I also have one for the media center and it's at SWMS media center. Um, that one is actually primarily geared towards my students. Um, but all kinds of people are absolutely welcome to follow it. A lot of people in the community and, um, parents and whoever else follow that, but just know that I am directing my language towards the kids. Um, that's, that's where I find them. Um, I have a blog that I have not updated in a while, but there are some really good ideas there. Okay. It's always fridaylibrary.blogspot.com. Okay. Um, and if you check Follett Community and just search my name, you'll find all the blog posts and webinars that I've done from them. Um, and then there's a link that I... Um, gave you that I don't know if you have a way to like put that in the notes yeah, or whatever. Yeah, we'll share all these links in the show notes for them. Um, it's a, it's actually a copy of my portfolio that I built to get Florida Power Library. And it has a glimpse into my library. It's like a little piece of every single part of my library. It's got pictures of all the, the fun activities that we do and all the different lessons and ways that people come in through the library. And so um, it's a good place to kind of dig when you have a little bit of time to find some ideas that might, you know, give you an idea. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Carrie, it's been so much fun talking with you today. I've enjoyed meeting you and seeing the fun things that you're doing with your middle school kiddos and actually with the rest of the library world. A lot of inspirational things are happening there. So thanks for sharing. It's been, I look forward to um, learning more from you over the coming time. Coming it has been a tremendous honor to get to be a part of this. Um, it, I'm so thrilled that you asked me uh, to do this and so this is really exciting um, and so I really appreciate the opportunity yeah well, not, have a great day and I'll talk to you later bye-bye thank you bye